everyone. Welcome to the second special episode of the Equality in Business podcast, our podcast to create awareness about equality in the business world by actively engaging students about relevant topics in a professional manner. My name is Aista and I'm an Erasmus student here at Catholica. In today's special episode, we have even two guests. So today with us, we have Karen Therese Frisch, who is currently an affiliate professor at the Lisbon MBA and at Catholica Lisbon School of Business and Economics. Karen is the co-founder and president of E3S, a volunteer-based NGO that supports other NGOs to improve and optimize its management practices. We would also like to welcome Maria Beatrice Miranda, a tax technology and transformation consultant at EY that had a long experience working at Novan Women in Business, one of the few Portuguese students' clubs aiming to empower women and mitigate all types of gender gap. A very warm welcome to you both. So, Karen, going back 20 years, you started your Bachelor in Chemical Engineering in Brazil. According to the Society of Women Engineers, currently only 13% of engineers are women and only 30% of women who earn bachelor's degrees in engineering are still working in engineering 20 years later. 20 years ago, these numbers were even smaller. How was your experience while in a male-dominated bachelor? Did you ever feel devaluated or underestimated? So, uh, good, good night and thank you very much for um, having me here. When I started my engineering bachelor in my year, there were, were less than 20 out of 350 students. This, is, this made us, us very special. Um, everybody knew the girls, but as my colleagues used to say, we were not real girls. We were one of them. We were engineers and we were almost considered like men as they were. Then at the same time I was studying, I started to work in a chemical factory and at the workshop floor on the plant, I was considered as a princess and they were sure that I wouldn't last for a month. And to prove that they were right, they started to give me different tasks that were just for men. And when I started to, uh, to do it and accomplish the tasks, they started to trust me and step by step, I started to gain their respect. And this uh, was the same thing that was happening at school. It was step by step that we gained the confidence then the respect from others that we were as they were men. We were the women was were as good as the men. So I think this didn't change. This improved a lot in the last uh, 30 years with uh, more women getting into um, engineering uh, areas. But still, there is a long way to go. Thank you, Karen. It's really inspiring. Um, Patrice, uh, in an article that you wrote recently, you state that a lot of people that are advocates for gender equality do not easily say they are feminists. Why do you think that is still a, such a trouble nowadays? So, first of all, um, thank you for this invitation and hello, everyone. So, 
Uh, on your question, I feel like there's still a misconception around the word feminist. A lot of a lot of people still think that being a feminist means advocating uh, that women are superior and deserve more rights than men. When what it actually means is advocating for gender equality, equal rights and opportunities for both men and women in all domains. And this was actually the feedback I received from many of my friends after reading my, my article, that they didn't know that feminism was actually about gender equality and thought that it was about women getting more rights than men. So after reading my article, they started to call themselves feminists, which, uh, which made me really proud. So even though the topic has been extensively discussed, there is still some misinformation and preconceived ideas that are not true. And another thing that I believe that makes people in general more reluctant on calling themselves feminists is related to more controversial topics. For example, as female beauty and makeup or breastfeeding in public or body hair on women. And even though these are really important topics related to feminism, they are deeply related to the preconceived ideas that we grew up with. So I can understand that these are harder to agree with and to be empathic with. So I understand when people are more reluctant on considering themselves feminists when they see these topics uh, inherent to feminism. But what I think is that is even though these are uh, a very important topics to discuss and people need to think about it and question themselves where those ideas come from and if they still make sense nowadays. Uh, my point is you don't have to like it or dislike it, you just have to respect it and if you can agree on respecting choices like this, you are respecting gender equality and feminism is all about this, respecting gender equality. So I think it's just a matter of um, misinformation and perspective. People should think more about this. So, in fact, uh, this week there was a very interesting article by a renowned Portuguese sociologist Ligia Mancio saying that a concrete feminist movement still acts in Portugal because the Salazar dictatorship that ruled during the most of the last century had a very strong gender, gender ideology. Do you think that is, it is a problem affecting spe specifically uh, countries like Portugal or Spain who suffered from the effects of dictatorship or is it still a worldwide issue? So overall, I think it is a worldwide, worldwide issue. We see gender inequality issues in every country regardless of their culture or religion. But of course, the level of inequality varies a lot between countries and a very good reason for Portugal or Spain, for example, not to have the same levels of gender equality as Iceland or Finland, that are some of the countries with the highest levels of gender equality, is the fact that we had the dictatorship for so long. And it makes sense. Um, so after reading this article, I did a little research because I had never thought about this in this way. It was really interesting. And I really I, I realized that the majority of the countries with the higher gender equality indexes were countries which had a democracy for more than 100 years now. And the Portuguese uh, or the Spanish democracies are not even 50 years old. And then looking at the year when women were able to vote without restrictions in these countries, we see that uh, in Iceland, Finland, Norway or Sweden, 
it varied between around 1900s or uh, 1920s, as in Portugal, it was only in 1968. So again, 50 years apart. And in Spain, women were actually able to vote in the 1930s, but then they lost this right when Franco came to power. So only got it back in 1977, two years after his death. So it is possible to see a big difference in here. And of course, when you have a dictatorship, it is way harder to start movements as feminism. And in the case of Portugal, as it is mentioned in the article, Salazar had speeches on how women should act. And there were expectations for women um, to behave in a certain way. Even in the constitution, there was ex uh, exceptions uh, in the chapter of gender equality of equality between citizens for women because they were housewives. So, of course, if you, you add something like this for so long and in such a recent past, the older generations will probably still think like this because this was the way they grew up, what they learned, and they watched all their lives. So I just think that now it's time for the younger generations to start rethinking about topics like this. And overall, worldwide, we still have a lot of gender inequality caused by religions, which are also in parts actually very con uh, connected to dictatorships. So in religions and regimes like this, it will always be harder to achieve the equality because people are way more constrained by traditions and laws that are per se not fair, making evolution harder to happen. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you. You said a lot of new facts that uh, some of our listeners may not know about. And now turning back to Karen again, we would like to talk a little bit with you about the Back to Market program, a program that you founded and you are also coordinating, destined to help UCP women alumni to go back to the job market. Why did you think that there was a need for a program like this and what are the main characteristics of the program's candidates? So many women decided to take a break of their careers to take care of their children or their families. The problem is that when they decided to come back to professional life, um, these years in general, they are not counted. They are completely disregarded by the job market. Uh, even in some cases, these women have developed really important skills uh, such as uh, time management, uh, team, uh, uh, team leader and leadership and prize managers and putting always their, um, their um, objectives in second, um, in second um, level. But what happened was that this is not regarded. And then when um, they want to go back to job market, they get second level jobs because the job market doesn't uh, see that the past five years, seven years, 10 years was something that was useful for the, for the job itself. So this was one problem. Then on the other hand, last year with COVID, there were a lot of um, small and medium-sized companies that desperately needed to help to reimagine or to rebuild themselves. And they didn't have any resources to, to have consultancies or to have help to, um, to bring management practice to reimagine and rebuild themselves. 
So I thought I was already teaching management strategic consulting project in Catolica for a couple of years. And I realized that not only my students were having trouble of getting um, stages, um, um, but also uh, this could affect women and both of them could be used uh, the fact that they have done a project, a consulting project uh, to tell their stories. So the, the project, the programa, uh, the back to market program was created with the, the same um, idea of the strategic management consulting project that we, we teach the students, which is basically a real um, problem, company problem that students go to, uh, to a corporate and work there side by side with the clients to solve a real issue that they have. So the alumni do exactly the same thing and they bring back their knowledge and the skills that they have used during uh, their school years and afterwards in their professional years um, to, to solve a problem in the, in the company. So the first edition of this program has already passed with um, women around 40 years old, 40, 45. And it was amazing to see not only their knowledge, but also uh, the skills that they had. And it was put in practice and it could be really uh, take advantage of these skills that are not being used. So the whole idea is support them to bring um, these people to the job market again and help at the same time um, uh, Portugal to rebuild the business that are having difficulties with COVID. One thing that is also important is that when they are doing this program, they create a network and um, they rebuild confidence because most of these women has already um, been rejected because they have not been working and even though they have done different things, uh, the job market says, well, you haven't uh, worked, which is not completely true. Uh, it's just not the way that the job market is uh, used to um, in different interviews. So this um, project helped them tell a story of something that, uh, something concrete of a project that they have done and they can um, sell during an interview. Therefore, it helps um, them getting a new job. We are going to have a second edition um, probably after Easter. Uh, not exactly. The day is not uh, still defined. But we are recruiting again women alumni from Catolica that in general from uh, management as well as economics so that we can go through this program, which is a 12-week program with more or less one day dedicated to this project and with high flexibility. So even if the women are still uh, supporting their families, they can um, manage that. And the fact that right now a lot is done through uh, digital, um, a lot of women that couldn't manage to do this project before, right now they can. So I really um, motivate anyone that knows someone that can take advantage of this program to enroll. I think and it's an amazing project. Thank you, Karen. And now I have some questions to you both. 
So there is one thing that you have in common. Both of you care about equality and both work or have worked in environments where women sometimes do not thrive as much as men, maybe because there is still a historical factor associated with it, as we already discussed before. Uh, there are still a lot of careers that are male-dominated, namely in the fields of engineering and finance. Why do you think this still happens nowadays? Is it because of our society, our organizations? And what do you believe that can be done to minimize the gender differences in these fields? Um, so if I can start... Um, first of all, I think it is important to understand that there are careers that will never be 50-50 women-men, because men and women are biologically different and tend to have different preferences. What I believe that is really important is that us, as a society, make sure that we are giving women the opportunity and conditions for them to start a career in a male-dominated area or men the opportunity and conditions for them to start a career in a female-dominated area. And I think this is what is still missing in our society. Even though more and more women tend to follow careers in engineering or finance, as you mentioned, there are still a lot of women that, even though they would like to do so, are told that these are not appropriate fields for them, or struggle to find a job in the area just because they are women, or even because they are not welcomed by their male colleagues in the same area. And even recently, uh, when the first Portuguese woman commented a football game of the first league, I was checking the comment section on a Facebook uh, article about this, and it was full of hate. A lot of men and even some women saying that this was not the place for a woman, that women don't understand about football, and uh, a lot of sexist comments. And I think this reflects a little bit now how, how our society still sees women, especially in male-dominated fields. So the first step would be to re-educate our society, uh, show that men and women can pursue any career they want, and they will not be more or less capable to do so just because of their gender. And of course, it also helps to get this idea on people's mind if they actually see it happen. So part of the responsibility in this process is actually on the organization side to hire more women or for male-dominated uh, fields and more men to female-dominated ones. So overall, I think it is just continuing on trying to change mentalities. And for example, supporting pro programs like the one Karen founded and showing that gender shouldn't limit our options when it comes to choose a career. Um, I, I think Beatrice have mentioned really good points and I would just add two things here. One is that I believe that from childhood, you need to incentivize women to do whatever they want and not just what they, the society is expected. And I'm gonna tell you a story. Uh, I have two children and both are men, and I keep telling them um, that no matter if they are men, but they, and I don't have a girl, they need to treat uh, the girls exactly the same thing. And they are in an English school, which the, um, right now it's, even the girls call themselves like the beach. And I'm like, you cannot call from childhood a girl a beach, because you don't call a boy equivalent to that. So you need to incentivize from the beginning 
boys to first to respect girls and to realize that they are as good as they are. Um, second is that to, uh, to push them in different areas since childhood and not wait until they are in the universe to tell them, listen, you can be an engineer when they are already 17. Why? Because this creates a lot of uh, insecurity when they are already teenagers. Why you, you should have done this when they are really young. The second thing that I, I believe is really important is that um, and this reflects a lot of my career, is that I have, I have never victimized myself of being a woman. So, um, yes, I had many times difficult and I had to work hard, much harder than men to get the same um, uh, challenges, the same opportunities, but I have never victimized myself. And I know that I'm breaking some barriers for future generation, but even the, the current generation, the younger generation, will still need to break a lot of um, the barriers, and this is good. Um, and we will get there, but it takes a path, and this path is not always that easy, but we cannot victimize ourselves, and we cannot feel less because we are in a dominant um, male area. It's, in some ways, I, I keep telling some of my uh, my students, like, you are privileged. So take advantage of it and open uh, more places for future generation of for other women that can come and join instead of you to be alone in the place that you are. Thank you to you both. I think you said some really, really good points. And today, as we know, we are celebrating. We are celebrating the International Women's Day, a very important date, and the date their gender equality is very present. Uh, there is for sure someone that brought you here today, someone that inspired you at one time in your life and that continues to inspire you today from our world's long and vast history. Who is your biggest inspiration and role model? For instance, myself, I was inspired by Emil Lithuanian, Lena Servela, who recently became a mom and is still actively participating in engaging women to become interested in tech sphere and working with global tech PR at the same time. So to be honest, you? I had never one role model. Um, I had many inspiring women that I came across in my life and my family brought me up that I could do anything I wanted. But if I can say one person, it's I would say that is, was my first manager um, in my second work, uh, which was called, which is called Cecilia Carvalho. She's a brilliant woman. Uh, she was first in her class in, in chemical engineer. She was in her first in her class uh, at Duke MBA. She was uh, one of the few women awarded uh, a scholarship, and then afterwards she was uh, one of the first women to uh, be hired in this consulting firm. And at the same time that she was extremely bright, she was an amazing leader, an amazing leader that. She could be really tough one minute and then extremely caring the next one. And I think this is this was um, a common um, characteristic that I have seen in many women that inspired me along the years, which is um, on one hand, they were really hardworking, very bright. But on the other, they could be sensitive. They could be feminine 
uh, and not because they were using a skirt, they were extremely feminist and beautiful. Um, they were not tough when it was needed and they didn't uh, lose the, the sensitivity to, to understand what um, the employees or their colleagues needed, which I think most of the men lack uh, in their leadership style. That's uh, really inspiring to, to hear as well. And even though along our history, we had and have really strong women that fought and fight for gender equality. I could say names like Eleanor Roosevelt or Oprah Winfrey or Malala. I could be here all day. And these women um, inspired me through their speeches and made me research more about the topic and be involved in this movement. But I think I'm also like Karen. Uh, the people who actually bought, brought me here today were the ones surrounding me every day. And as cliche as this may sound, it is true. Looking, for example, to my grandmother that went to college, got her first child when she was only finishing her degree, but still got to finish it and had a career as a teacher for uh, her whole life. And she was an amazing professional, um, an amazing mother and wife in a time when women were still the ones, uh, the only ones taking care of the house and children. Or my mother, for example, that was never afraid of follow following her dreams uh, and is right now a really successful professor and scientist. And together with my father, always taught me and my sister that we can follow whatever career we want, that women and men deserve the same opportunities and rights. Or something as simple as housework and kids are both gender's responsibility, not only women's. And also being part of Nova Women in Business was really important in the sense that I got to talk with a lot of people also engaged in this topic with a lot of different ideas and perspectives. And having the opportunity to discuss gender equality topics on a regular basis and having someone challenging my preconceived ideas or unconscious bias was really important to make me think more, make me question myself more. And I think uh, above all this, to do more, to be part of the movement and fight for a more equal world. So I think the ones whom, um, with whom I share my day-to-day -day life are the ones influencing me the most. Thanks to you both. I am so glad to hear that you have such inspiring persons in your life. And we're all are almost at the end of this amazing episode and I have to thank you for your invaluable participation here today. So thank you very much. And moving to the other side, let's look forward to the next generation, towards the younger women that are listening to us. And what advice would you give to them? So I want to tell them that they can do whatever they want to, be whoever they want to. And essentially, Never let anything or anyone limit their choices or dreams. And I can say it again, as cliche as this may seem, no one should ever feel bounded by their gender. So if you think that you're not being treated fairly or respectfully, if you see something which we, you do not agree with, speak out. Don't be afraid of calling out on something or someone that is not being correct or respecting you or others. Nothing will change if you don't think about it, talk about it, or actually take action. So keep in mind that all the small actions that you can take 
play a really important role in making our society more aware and respectful. So bottom line advice is reflect about what surrounds you, question yourself if it makes sense for you, and never be afraid of speaking out dreams. I would say take risks. Don't be afraid of accepting your challenge. Uh, there are lots of um, studies that proves that when, when a man is, um, is offered a job, he always thinks he's capable of doing it. So uh, he's always think that he deserves the promotion and he will always accept it, even though he might think that in fact he has 30-40% of the competence to accept this job. The women, on, on the women, on the other hand, if they don't have confidence, they are more or less 80 to 90% uh, competent, already competent on this new challenge, they won't accept the, the new job, the, the new promotion. And this makes a huge difference in the end game, which is men ended up, ended up getting more interesting challenges and rewards and not because they are more competent, but because they are more confident and confident that they can achieve uh, and succeed in the next level. So what I really would like to next generation uh, advice is really take risks. Don't be afraid of accepting new challenges because you see that you can do it. Uh, it's just about of having a lot of confidence on you. Uh, thank you so much. And finally, how does it feel, Karen and Beatrice, to, to be a successful woman in a world that is still male-dominated? So first of all, I must say that my experience uh, in the business world only goes a couple of years back, so it's still short. Uh, but however, I must say that I'm actually proud of where things are going. I have never felt discriminated in any of the recruitment process I took part of. I have never felt that someone was treating me in a different way than my male colleagues in the internships or jobs I had. And I even attended a couple of events about gender equality related topics organized by firms that were once male dominated and still are in the in the higher levels. So I feel like the topic is being given the importance it should have in this area. And people are aware of it and respect everyone regardless of their gender. Uh, companies are actually trying to reduce these gaps. You see a lot of uh, events and programs such as the one uh, Karen is doing. Um, and and companies are trying to reduce these gaps be um, between genders, having a lot of these initiatives. So even though the business world is not perfect yet, and this will probably still take some time, my experience is quite positive and it gives me hope on a fair world someday. I'm so pleased to hear what you just said, Beatrice, because... <laughs> um, we have, uh, for the, the listeners, we have probably around 25 years difference between me and Beatrice. And um, I had already had a lot of prejudice. And for example, when I was pregnant and I was applying for a job, as soon as they found that I was pregnant, they completely cut the position. I was going to have an offer and they decided to give up on the on the position. After three months, they hired again. 
Um, and this was one of the many examples of areas that, yes, I was discriminated. I was just never, um, I just never gave up because I was a woman or because I was discriminated. In some way, when I was young and doing many years, it was just the rules of the game. And from I, what I just heard from Beatriz is, things are really changing for the younger generation, which is really great. Uh, it's really great to hear. Um, I have lived in many countries, in many male-dominant countries, but what uh, I could have as a dis disadvantage, I put as an advantage because being a female in a very dominant male uh, environment made me different than them. And when you are different, you can have qualities that they don't. And I always put this in advantage instead of feeling that I was lonely or that um, this could be a disadvantage. What I just think is that we need uh, to have determination and hard work. And it really feels so good when you accomplish what your objectives are and have the, the life path that you have chosen. Um, my life is not over, I'm not that old, but uh, I definitely have chosen many uh, paths which led me to many countries, which uh, had some bumps, but definitely when you accomplish it, you said, hey, this was worthwhile. And I think this is the main uh, message that I would like to give to the women is like, risk and take risks because the path that you chose is worth it because you have chosen and this makes a huge difference and nobody just because you are a woman can tell you oh this is not for you if you decided that this is for you go for it and this is where we part ways thank you so much for your time and valuable insights it was a pleasure having you here with us today and our next episode will be online on the 19th of March. Feel free always to reach out to us on our social media accounts. You'll find us under the name Equality in Business on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Looking forward to talking to you in two weeks. And until then, stay healthy and safe.